Ready, go, go, go podcast, episode five. I'm Scott Ott. Well, this time, putting the American dream to the test or how to stop being a hypocrite. This is uh, something I've been thinking about for a long time because I've spent about the last 12 years making at least some portion of my income talking about the concepts that make America great and by extension talking about people who are trying to destroy those concepts. Uh, Literally every single week I've done a talk show where I'm engaging with the news of the day in the context of what I would call timeless principles of constitutionality and good governance and what makes for a happy society. And that's all good as far as it goes. However, uh, it's not enough for me, at least this is what I've come to believe. You make your own judgment. It's not enough for me to simply engage my First Amendment right to speak my mind or to petition my government for a redress of grievances, although I've never really done that directly. But it's not just enough to talk about it. If you really believe in the concepts of what has made America great, the so-called American dream, then you need to put that to the test. If you really believe in free markets, if you really believe that the capitalist system has resulted in more happiness and health and prosperity for more people than any other system that's ever been tested, well, then when do you stop talking about it and actually engage in it. And and this is what I mean by that. If capitalism is the greatest, why am I merely a W-2 employee working for somebody else? I know. Ouch. You may say, well, you know, that that's the American dream. We want uh, little pink houses with picket fences around them and two cars in every garage and a chicken in every pot or vice versa. Two chickens in every garage and a car in every... Never mind. Uh, But really, when it comes right down to it, if I'm working a W-2 job, which I am, I'm not a capitalist. I work for a capitalist. The capitalist is the guy who has put resources at risk to create something new that engages a lot of people who need something and he's fulfilling a need. I'm just, uh, for want of a better term, a cog in his machine. Now you can have dignity in being a cog in someone else's machine. You can even experience a measure of joy and pleasure in being able to serve others as part of somebody else's machine. So this isn't really about you, it's about me. What I've been thinking a lot about lately is that if I really believe in capitalism, in other words, instead of working for money, putting money to work for me, then why have I not actively engaged in it? This is one of the reasons why I uh, was really sparked by Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he started talking about what he calls the cash flow quadrant and the four uh, corners of that cash flow quadrant. And I have spent most of my life in the E and S quadrants. E means employee, S means uh, solo entrepreneur or self-employed. Uh, for years and years, I've had uh, what I call a 1099 gig, which is essentially self-employment, uh, but it's really working for somebody else and just not having them take taxes out of my uh, W-2 paycheck. Uh, but I've spent most of my life <clears throat> as a combination of both an E and an S quadrant person. The right side of the cash flow quadrant is the B and I side, and B stands for business or rather big business, meaning beyond just being a solopreneur or an individual self-employed person. So business, 
an investor, somebody who primarily earns income through passive means. And Kiyosaki gives many examples of, you know, the difference between these areas, but I think it became immediately obvious to me, and that is I'm trading time for cash. Even in my 1099 gig, essentially I trade a certain amount of time for a certain amount of income in someone else's business. And if I have complaints about how my W-2 employer or my 1099 gig, uh, you know, where I'm serving as a contractor, that company, if I have any complaints about how they're running the business, well, that's great. And we can sit around the water cooler in the lunchroom and moan about that. Or I can, you know, text message my wife and complain about the boss. But in reality, the boss has taken the leap. He's stepped over to the B side or the I side. Um... If you are not willing to take the risk that the boss has taken, then maybe maybe it would be good to do so before I become too critical of that person. So instead of just working for money, how do I get my money to work for me? And I'm not uh, recording this podcast to make recommendations for how you should do that. Um, I have taken uh, an increasing interest in real estate as an investment vehicle Uh, within the past couple of months, and I've read uh, literally more than a dozen books on the topic and have begun searching my market for opportunities to invest. But that's the the way I've approached it um, to start. And at the same time, I've taken steps toward developing my own business. Now, at first, it'll probably look just like an S-quadrant business where I'm self-employed, a solopreneur, as they call them, and I'm basically uh, generating income for myself from my own activities. But eventually, I want to grow that to a point where it's an actual company and other people can run that business because it's a system. All of this Uh, has been in my mind for a long time. Years and years ago, I came up with this little slogan that I often sign off my emails with where I say, live the freedom, live the freedom. And the idea of live the freedom is it's not just enough to say, wow, our U.S. Constitution is great and our capitalist free enterprise system is great. I've got all this freedom and liberty. What am I doing with it? If I'm doing nothing but jabbering about it, which I have been doing a lot for the last 12 years, then maybe I don't fully believe in it. In other words, uh, I am a capitalist in theory. I'm a free markets guy in theory. I'm a constitutionalist guy in theory. But when it comes down to actual practice, do I live my life as if I really believe that this is the best system of governance, the best economic system? Am I throwing myself into that system and saying, let's see, let's put this American dream to the test. Let's see how effective I can be at that. To take it even a step further and, you know, further embarrass myself and point out my own hypocrisy, when it comes right down to it, you know, I'll be 60 years old soon and I hope to never retire because I just enjoy working, but I do hope to eventually have free time uh, that I don't have to show up at somebody else's place at an appointed time in order to trade my time for money. But when I retire at this point, if I look forward five years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is, if I were to retire, I would be quite dependent upon the social services network. In other words, Social Security, Medicare, and things like that. Um, I don't really have the resources in place to take care of myself in retirement. That's unacceptable to me. 
that is just, uh, you know, maybe you're all set and you're listening to this and you're going, well, yes, what's wrong with you? You should have started planning 30 years ago. And yeah, I should have started planning 30 years ago, but I didn't. I don't get a chance to redo the last 30 years, but there's a decent chance that I'm going to live for another 30 years. And if I do, where will I be along that journey? And so you can only start now. You can't start back in the day. And so I'm, I'm starting now. If you look at the capitalist system and you say, well, the real strength of the capitalist system is it gives an opportunity for somebody with a great idea to create a business or to invest in, in uh, a, a commodity or to invest in property or to invest in other people's businesses, how much of that can I start doing now? How can I tap uh, what most investors do, uh, it, other people's money in order to make these kinds of investments. I was listening to uh, one of Kiyosaki's books yesterday as I was walking, and the, one of the ideas that really struck me is I'm looking at real estate and I prefer to be able to purchase properties with low money down or no money down, ideally. And I had always thought of that in terms of the reason I'm doing that is because I don't have a lot of money to put down. Uh, but he was explaining the idea and his chief accountant was explaining the idea in terms of if you're putting your own money down in a property, you're actually putting much more down than you think you are. Let's say you have to put $20,000 down on a property. Depending on your tax bracket, it may have taken thirty dollars or $35,000 worth of earnings in order to get that $20,000 after tax income, which you then put down. Wouldn't it make more sense to borrow that money, for which the government provides incentives of all kinds, to borrow that money without going into too much detail so that it's you're not using after-tax dollars for that. Now, this seems like a radical concept to me and to many other people because we're used to thinking of terms, you know, you work hard, you go to a good school, you get a good job, you work hard, you save your money, you put money down on a house, which is an investment. And Kiyosaki just shoots holes in that entire theory. If you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad yet, uh, I encourage you to do so. It's a real eye opener. Uh, but all of this is around this idea that's been lingering in my mind for years of living the freedom. Am I actually living out the opportunity that I have in the greatest land on God's green earth, the, the most opportunity, the most potential for happiness as a society and as an individual that's ever been generated in any geographic locale in the history of the world? What am I doing to tap into that? Do I understand the game that I've been praising for all these years. I'm a, I'm a big advocate of free markets and capitalism. Do I even understand the rules of the game? Do I understand how it works? Why do some people become wealthy and other people do not? Is it because they're greedy? Or is it because they understand the game that they're in and they play by the rules of the game? It even goes so far as uh, Kiyosaki's insight that the tax system is actually set up by the government not as punishment, but to reward you for doing the things the government wants you to do. In effect, creating housing for working people and creating jobs. So most of the tax code is built around this idea of providing benefits to those people that do the kinds of things that make for a stronger nation and, you know, in the self-interest of the government, that generate more tax revenue because more people have stable housing, more people have stable jobs, and therefore they can pay their taxes. So how can I start to understand the rules of this game 
and then actually engage in the game. Well, my understanding has begun starting with reading Rich Dad's first book, and then I've read, like I said, a bunch of books since then, even in the last month and a half, two months. Um, This has been an awesome journey so far, but my big concern at this point is that I'm still in the classroom and I haven't gotten out into the field yet. I've taken a couple of halting steps of looking at some properties, of analyzing the potential of rental income for one or two properties, of contacting a realtor, of contacting a remodeler, of contacting um, and getting approved for a loan from a local bank. Um, All of these are baby steps in this process, but at some point, I'm gonna actually need to take the leap and make an offer and buy a property and go through the bumps and bruises of the learning curve of that process. Because if I really want to be part of the greatest economic system that's ever existed in the history of the earth, it's not enough to sit in the stands. It's not even enough to sit on the bench. I've got to get on the field. I've got to get in the game. For Ready, Go, Go, Go podcast, this is Scott Ott. Thanks for listening.